and I was waiting tables. I, I was hosting. I, I was hosting at a restaurant, and then I started waiting tables. Um, but it wasn't until that next summer that I started to do conventions. At that time, my wife at the time had the day job. She had, you know, we had both done odd jobs for a while and then the acting money helped. But at that point, I was about to lose health insurance. I had been the one to keep us in health insurance up until that point through acting. And I, we were about to lose health insurance and we had a kid and wanted to have another one. And so she went back to work. Um, she got the full-time job that had benefits because my health insurance ran out. Um, and then I started to do conventions to provide supplemental, more supplemental income. It all, it all depended. Uh, I could make at, I could make anywhere between a thousand to five thousand to up to like the conventions in England, like ten thousand. My first convention ever was um, the San Diego Comic Con, which is, if you don't know, the biggest Comic Con in the world. Um, TV studios go, it's huge. It's 170,000 people over four days. Do you have a table? Or do yeah, I have a table. So the way San Diego does it is they put all the signing guests, everybody selling their autographs, up in one big area. And you just have to apply. It's not like you get asked. You just fill out an application and submit. And they give, like, if they have room, they give you a table. You don't have to pay for a table, but you only make what you earn, what you can sell. So yeah, I'd go to do that and have no idea what to expect. You know, at the time, these conventions weren't publicly accepted by the mainstream acting community. It was kind of seen as this step down. My agent kind of advised me not to do it uh, because it was seen as this arena for has-beens. But James Marsters was doing them, and he's the one who convinced me to do it. And um, I was like, well, what the hell, What's, what, what harm could it do? I mean, nobody's gonna know who I am. And as it turns out, people liked the character and connected with the character. And I made a decent chunk of change that first weekend, had a great time. And then I had this booking manager at the time who just booked me into conventions. Um, she also repped James. So she would book us into a lot of conventions and I started doing conventions. That year that I didn't book a single acting job, I think I did 14 cons in 12 months. I got my first taste of weird celebrity at the Buffy conventions that were just Buffy. So, you know, San Diego Comic-Con's this large pop culture convention. And I did a few of those, um, and those were pretty, just pretty normal. They, they weren't crazy by any stretch of the imagination. Um, where it started to get crazy was when these companies that did mostly like Star Trek conventions and stuff started to do Buffy conventions. So it was just a Buffy convention. It was usually a headliner like James Marsters or Nicholas Brendan or Andy Hallett from Angel. Um, or someone, you know, a top of show guest and or two, and then they would fill out the bottom of the roster with like, you know, popular side characters. And uh, you would show up for these and it would usually be 800 to 1,000 people who were just there because of their love for Buffy. And that's 
they were smaller, more contained, and that's when you would do, you would have to go to like a cocktail party and you would have to mingle with the top tier people who bought the special gold pass. And then you would have to go to a dinner banquet and sit at a table with people who paid money to sit at this table with you. And that's where it became this like, because I was outgoing and a lot of the top of show people wouldn't hang out outside of their contractually obligated things, but I was like, oh, I'm just gonna go down to the bar and have a drink. And they weren't used to that, so it became this, I became kind of the, one of the life of the party guys. Because it would then directly correlate into me having better business the next day. Like I would sell more pictures because I had been hanging out the night before till two o'clock in the morning. Yeah, I mean, there were people that were definitely into the character uh, more than I expected. I got handed a lot of screenplays. People thought I was a way bigger deal in Hollywood than I actually was. People were asking me to give things to Joss, who I had only, I'd never worked with because he was off doing Firefly during my season of the show. My marriage was going through a lot of highs and lows at that point. I mean, look, no, it had, like the highs and lows had started before. There, there were cracks earlier than that. Just in the, the, the pressure cooker that is trying to find fame and fortune in Los Angeles. And you're just, your future is at the whim of so many things. And because I had success right away, I think we thought that that was just gonna continue. And when I got hit with that year that I didn't work, that took a huge toll on me personally and my confidence as an actor. Um, and it also took a toll on our relationship because it was, our plan was derailed. And I think it caused fear and doubt to creep in on both our parts. And so then auditions started to take on these massive proportions. Like I would start to stress out over a herpes cream commercial, you know, a Breva, um, because it's like, oh, I gotta I got get this. Th this, I have to get this, because I don't know how else I'm gonna prove that I can provide for my family. And, um, you know, so there were, there were some cracks before that. Um, you know, just marital issues in general. Um, having gotten married so young, I think, and then having a kid. I had, you know, my son was born when I was 26 years old. And in Hollywood, that was, you know, we would go to his preschool events and we were the youngest couple by 15 years with children the same age. You know, people don't have kids in LA at 26. You know, they have kids at 40. <laughs> there was a lot of that, and I'm not trying to make excuses for my behavior because my behavior was shitty. Um, if I was unhappy in my marriage, I should have said so. But what happens is, you know, I'm waiting tables and I'm going on these auditions and I'm just, my career's not going the way I want it to. And I go to a convention on Friday night and I go to a cocktail party and people are excited to see me. And they laugh at all my jokes and Everybody wants to buy you a drink. And for someone who liked to drink, which I did, it just became a, week -long, a weekend long party. Um, you know, you would, you would do talks and you would sign autographs and people were asking you to hang out. And that is when 
it start like when you would go when you'd start to have these dinner things and then they would want you to come to the dance there were always dances and you would go to the dance because if you went out on the dance floor you were seen as the good time guy and they would come and buy more pictures the next day well that's when it started to be like hey we're all partying up in my room why don't you come up and you would go up to the room and somebody would hand you a red solo cup full of this purple concoction and next thing you know, you're naked in a hallway. <laughs> um, so I, I, you know, I just, they weren't all that way. I would be, I would have one where I would go completely off the rails and be hung over and just, just be a mess. And then the next two, I would rein it in. I would pull it together because I couldn't behave this way. Um, and then I would, you know, have a shitty week. I wouldn't get hired for a commercial and I would have a convention and I would go off and F it, you know, screw it, let's, let's party. Yep, usually. It was a party at the room or, you know, it was at the bar. And once I started to throw off that vibe, um, and also again, it was, you know, I was married at 21. I was, I still thought of myself as the chubby kid that everyone picked on. And so when I started to get attention from women, that, it was like another drug. It was like a shot of booze. It was like a, a line of cocaine. It was a boost to the ego. It made me feel good. Um, and I was drinking, so my filters were all off. Um, yeah, so it, it became about ego. That's when it started to, to hit, like the partying got out of control. Uh, yeah, I was drinking hard liquor. I, was, uh, I wasn't doing any drugs then. Um, but yeah, I was, just, I was just drinking way too much. The drinking is escalating. The drinking is, I would, you know, it wasn't like, hey, we got the cocktail party, start drinking at the cocktail party. I would start drinking at the airport bar before I left Los Angeles. You know, I would drink on the plane. I, so when I got there, I had a good buzz going and my fuck it switch would get flipped. And it's like I've described, it's this giant red cartoon switch in my brain that after four or five beers or some drinks just gets flipped. And everything that I would not normally do sober just became all on the table. It was almost like a Jekyll and Hyde kind of thing. Now, I wasn't violent or a different person, but my wanting to be the life of the party and wanting to be liked by everyone got turned up to 11. That, yeah, just let's keep going. You know, in my brain, if, if one is good, 100 is going to be fucking fantastic. It was a very much a party culture. I mean, the guests were not the not the the celebrities, but the people who paid money to come to these conventions. It was their weekend, so they would just party. And it be yeah, I would stay up. I would be up till four in the morning drinking, and then the next day it was like you got photo shoots at nine a.m., dude. Where are you? Like, oh, I'll be right there. And it's like, shit, I got to go take a couple of shots at the bar just so I'm not shaking. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to throw up in the middle of doing my photo shoot because I've had two hours of sleep 
and I'm still drunk from the night before. Then I start booking commercials again. Um, so we, we get back into health insurance. I start, you know, I, I manage to make enough money each year to qualify us for health insurance. Um, I'm still trying to audition for television and film, not booking a lot, booking really small things, not catching any kind of real big break. Um, I'm also writing at this time. So I had two writing partners and we're trying to sell scripts and that's what I'm doing mostly during the day is meeting with them and we're cranking out scripts and we got an agent and we're trying to sell stuff. So that's all going on at the same time. Um, and then, you know, once a month, I'm going to these conventions and coming off the rails. Um, so by the time 2005 rolls around, I had done conventions in Europe. I had done, you know, conventions in England. I had, uh, you know, done cons all over the United States, big ones, little ones. And I was a staple on the convention circuit because I kind of had this reputation of being the good time party guy. Um, you know, it'd be like, oh, Leary, Leary's coming? Leary's a hoot. Leary's the life of the party. You know, get him a couple of drinks and he'll party all night long. Um, and to, to the fans, that was a big deal, you know. Um, and there started to be these people that you'd see at every convention. They would just kind of, they were like groupies almost. Um, so it was around 2003, 2003 or 2004, the first time, like, I ended up with someone who was not my wife overnight in my hotel room. Um, and again, once that cork was popped, there was no... Once that toothpaste was out of the tube, there was no getting it back in the bottle. I would usually wake up the next day hungover, demoralized, feeling like just the worst piece of shit on the planet because I didn't want to be the type of guy that cheated on his wife. Um, that's how my mom and dad's marriage ended and I didn't, I swore I would never be that person and here I am as that person. So then the guilt kicks in. You know, I grew up Catholic. We're very good at guilt and these feelings of just not being good enough again would just spiral and you know it went from oh I'm gonna party on Friday night and I'll be sober for the rest of the weekend turned into I'm partying Friday night I'm getting up on Saturday and I'm drinking I'm partying Saturday night Sunday I gotta get up and drink then um, and I don't stop till I get on the plane home so then yeah 2005 there was a convention in Los Angeles and I got paid a very large sum of money to, to do it we got put up at this very swanky hotel in Los Angeles. Um, and my ex and I had just bought our house. I say we bought it. We, the bank bought it. <laughs> um, but this was, you know, this was pre-housing bubble. So we got adjustable rate mortgage loans. We scraped together a down payment from my family and bought this half a million dollar home that was a two bedroom, one bath, 1100 square foot home because Los Angeles was insane at the time. You know, people were overbidding on homes by $60,000, $70,000 um, because you could get these crazy loans. And once we got that house, then everything changed. Um, uh, my ex was working at a title and loan company 
and you know feeling the pressure of being the one to have to cover all these bills uh, while I'm trying to continue to book commercials and desperately trying to sell a screenplay and and every script that our agent would send out would be like please let this be the one that sells and I can earn a hundred thousand dollars and you know pay for the mortgage this month um, so yeah this convention happened in Los Angeles and I, I had I had a hotel room there they put me up there even though I lived in Pasadena I lived 15 miles away um, and my mom was in town for the summer it was in it was in the summertime and uh, my mom would come out every summer and so I was gonna go do the first night and then my ex and my mom and my son were gonna come to the to the show on Saturday and hang out and I just we were there was a cocktail party and a bunch of people were there and some celebrities and we're just drinking and talking and next thing I know someone's like hey man do you want to go do some cocaine and I had had just enough to drink to say yes let that sounds like a great idea um let's go do that and I had never done it before I was 33 years old so, yeah, I ended up doing cocaine for the first time. And if you've never done cocaine, uh, it hits you with a blast of euphoria. And you're really energetic. And it wears off in about 20, 30 minutes. And then you go and you do some more because you want that feeling back. Um, so that night was just this whirlwind of, you know, doing cocaine and then drinking more and then getting sluggish from the drinking and going and doing more cocaine and being shot through the roof. And it just, it was a, it turned into this whirlwind of just, I end up in a shower with two members of the opposite sex and it's just, it's madness. And I wake up the next morning at like nine and my family's gonna be there in an hour and I'm trying to pull it together. And that's when I had my first like, I, I might be in trouble. I might be in real trouble, but I don't know how to get out of it.